So my 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 title today is um, the Lord who orchestrates things. The Lord who orchestrates stuff. The Lord who makes things happen. The Lord who connects the wires. Amen? Amen. And before we go to the word, I just want to give another things are here. Uh, Pastor, I want to give you another story. There's a way that Nairobi can conspire sometimes against you. We say in, in Kiswahili, Nairobi naisa kukukata. And when Nairobi refuses you, even the Makangas, they know. You pay him 50 shillings, he say he did not get the money. You pay to go to Githurai, you realize you are in Zimmerman. You've taken the wrong. There is a time, brethren, Nairobi conspired against me. For about four years. And it was tough. Nairobi can be very tough when you don't have money. Even your debtors do not pick your calls. And debtors in terms of 50 shillings and 100. And at that time, we'll make calls using the uh, telecom. You know those boots? Remember those ones? Yes. You take in your 10 shillings, the only one that you have, you put in the thing, swallow the money. Man, life can be tough. So that, is, that, is, that was about my life for four years. And I had graduated with one of the top class degrees from Kenya. And I didn't have a job. And the guys who were just lay about in class, immediately we graduated, they had jobs. I'm telling you, God can be so comfortable sometimes. The guys who were so poor in class, not born again, two months down the line, they have got Toyota 110. For you born again, four years, zero. You stay with this relative, you realize that your grace has expired, you move here. I might talk to some people. For four years. And then, one day, but I remember, before I got one day, one day, one of uh, my close friends, a pastor, he was a HR manager in I&M Bank, he realized that I've been tamaking for about one and a half years without a job. He calls me and said, Godfrey, I want to link you up for a job in this bank as a management trainee. I was excited. And I was in his office. He tells me, do you have your CV? I said, I had a disquette. They were called disquettes. For those who were born younger, they can't understand. I, I used to work with my disquette. So he picks my CV. And in his presence, forwards my CV with very good words to the CEO of I&M Bank. And immediately, I'm still there. The I&M Bank um, CEO response says, uh, Mr. So-and-so, this CV is good. Can we interview the, the, the young man? The next Saturday, like around three days later, I was at I&M headquarters meet, meeting the CEO. So when I sat, he called the deputy CEO. Two top guys, they interviewed me. We had a wonderful time. And they told me straight that you are already taken. So we're just going to do preparation for you to, to be taken. And so they wrote to the HR manager, hey, so that young man is, is marvelous. So I went home and told my cousin, we need to look for a bigger house. Because... <laughs> My miracle has arrived. <laughs> so uh, I went around Kahawendani, Kahawendani and looked around for the nice houses. Man, for two and a half years, I was never called. <laughs> I 
I'm telling you, my shoe was like a razor blade. Stones will come from nowhere. You know, when you are just so smart with a suit, the shoe is conspiring against you. You, you know, you realize there's a stone inside. So I, so I ask, I ask, so I realized one day they have advertised for management trainees at I&M. So I called my friend Pastor. My, hey, what is going on? He said, oh, Godfrey, we forgot. The, the, the CEO told me that they cannot train one management trainee. So they said, we'll put you in a database pending advertisement to get a pool of credible candidates, which makes sense, right? So he said, so don't worry. We'll call you again for just for a routine, a routine, you know, interview so that you can join the other pool of management trainees. But imagine it's two years. I've told people that I've got a job. So then I was called for the second phase of interview. This time, I met a pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. I met certain Indians who did not know me, who did not know my relationship with the pastor, who did not know that I had done another interview. It was fresh. And one of them looked at my CV and interviewed and told me one thing I've never forgotten. told me, Godfrey, you don't belong in the bank. You belong in the NGO. Man. And that was the end of my job in I&M Bank. But remember, man, and you know, when you don't have a job, for those who don't have jobs, when Nairobi conspires against you, your prayer life is up here. You don't pray here, down here. I was only the first one for prayer meetings in church. Five. Of course, you don't have anything else to do. But why am I telling you this? I realized later on that actually the answers to my prayers about my job were answered about 20 years earlier. 15 years earlier. The Lord who orchestrates stuff. And how was this one answered? It was answered this way. I got from one with my dad. And I went, for some of you, me, I went to primary school. Primary, not primary, primary. Primary is the one that you don't have shoes. <laughs> and you also don't wear ties. Okay? That's primary. And you speak in mother tongue. The only time you speak in Swahili is when they introduce a disc. So that was my kind of school that I attended. So I go to this high school, not secondary, I went to high school. But I got to dress, I got an opportunity to go to high school. High school is the one that you wear ties and you, wear, you put on trousers. Uh, so there's high school and there's secondary. Some of you went to secondary, me I went to high school. High school is a good one. Okay, so like, like, like Stare is high school, okay? Kedurai is, is a secondary school. So anyway, so I got to high school, and the first day, I didn't know how to tie a tie, okay? It's my first time to tie, I mean, to touch a tie. So as we finish registration, something is hanging around my neck, and I don't know how to tie it. And so my dad leaves, and I'm hanging there, and a teacher comes, and he sees my tie, and tells me, young man, you don't know how to tie your tie. And then he calls a senior staff who's working outside. Just coincidence. He calls a senior staff who comes and says, Mwangi uh, knows this guy. He says, Alex, help this young man teach him how to tie a tie. So Alex shows me how to tie a tie. Long story short, we become friends with Alex because of that small incident. Are you getting that? And Alex happens to go to Nairobi University, I go to KU. And we kept in touch with Alex. One, two times we meet on the streets. He comes to Kenyatta University. He had a girlfriend there. So he will come and see the girlfriend and we meet and all that. And so Alex is among those guys 
who do not love the Lord as much. You know what I'm talking about. But Alex comes from the university, and the first day he gradu- before he graduates, he gets a scholarship for masters, and he gets a job that will earn him 90,000 Kenyan shillings. Man, that was a lot of money. Not a lot, it was a lot of money. And Alex leaves our class. We are no longer the same class. Okay. So, uh, Alex finishes the master's. He actually, he does the job for a few months, then leaves the, the, the job and goes for master's. Immediately, he finishes uh, uh, coursework. He gets another job that gives him six zeros. You know six zeros? You are no longer in the lower class. You are nearing the upper class. Men and we people who speak in tongues, our shoes are? Nairobi is conspiring against you. Man, the Lord is marvelous. So Alex works in this NGO. He's given a new car, an office car, and he just balloons. We used to be the same size. The guy just balloons. He loses his neck. You know the neck goes inside, you see? And so, see how God orchestrates things. Alex works there for one year, and one day, they want an assistant, someone to help him do some little work. And he remembers this guy who was with me at, in high school, so many years ago. And this is Godfrey, there's a job here, it's not a job, it's a one, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a three-day job. He didn't tell me it was a three-day job. He told me I've got some little work for you to, to support me. And so, but it's not, there's, there's no money, okay? But I'll give you fair two and I didn't mind because I was idle. So I looked for my best shirt and went to the NGO. He gave me a job. I worked the first day. The second day, by around 10 in the morning, I finished. So I went to this guy and told him, Mr. I have finished the job. He told me, have you finished the job? I said, he said, how did you manage? So he called one of his seniors to come and check on, so together come check on my work. And men had done the job perfect. They were so shocked. So they told me, man, it was a job for three days. Go home then, because you have finished the job earlier. Okay. I wish I knew it was, it was three days because they were offering me lunch and tea. Something. Okay. So anyway, uh, I kept working with the... And, okay, so long story short, again, after two, three days, they, he calls me back to the office. Godfrey, can you come see me again? So I go to see him. Thanks, my brother, Tim. I go to see him in the office and, and he gives me an envelope. He gives me an envelope. And the envelope inside... There's 6,000 Kenya shillings. Man, my miracle had started. I passed through um, uh, Luduli Avenue. Some, there, was a, there was a Tuskegee there. And I bought new shoe. And I bought a shirt with the cufflinks. With the 6,000. But, but that was a miracle. And the guy tells me, Godfrey, we were trying to see your attitude. We told you the job was for free, but it was actually for pay. There, was, there was payment. So for each day it was 2,000. And it was for three days. Though you worked for less, we'll pay you for three days. Man, that was a miracle. <laughs> Amen? And then, in the office, there comes a vacancy. And they ask Alex, do you know any person good who can do this job? Man, from zero to a hero. I left the SQ that I was living in. At that time, we were young people with Mwangi. And I told Mwangi, Mwangi, now let's go look for a bigger house. <laughs> because I came from zero to five zeros. Are you seeing that? But see how God orchestrated the things in my life. If Alex didn't pass that morning, 
as I was struggling with the tie. If the teacher didn't see me struggling with the tie, it was just the right timing. In other words, when I was praying for my job, God answered it through a relationship 15 years earlier. Are you seeing that? God who orchestrates stuff. Let's come to scripture. God comes and tells Moses, Moses, I want you to design the following stuff, the following things. I want you to, 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 to uh, design candles for the house of the Lord. I want you to design the ark of, of the covenant. Remember the story. He tells him, and in the ark, I want you to put inside, the ark should be made of acacia, but paneled with gold and silver. And inside, put the following things. Put a bowl of manna, as a reminder. Put the staff of Aaron that budded. And also, the third thing, put inside the tablets of the Ten Commandments. But remember, Moses is not a carpenter. Moses is not a blacksmith. Moses is not a goldsmith. But God is telling him, do the following things. And God is a master orchestrator. He tells him, Moses, I have called the son of Bezalel. I've called Bezalel by name. The son of Uri. The son of Ha. From the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God. And I've equipped him with all skill, all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding in matters of gold and silver and bronze. And I've equipped him with all manner of craftsmanship. Are you following? And then he tells him, it is not just that. I have also called a son of, uh, also called Oheliab, the son of Ahismach. Man, that thing, the next verse just wrecked my spirit. Oh, Savakaya. And the Lord, that, I think that is Exodus that, that, that one. Oh, it wrecked my spirit. You know, sometimes you read the word of God and you, re, you leave the sofa set and you sit on the floor. Because the glory is too much that you cannot just sit where you are. Okay? I don't know. If, can someone project that? He says, I have called these guys and I have equipped them in manner of all craftsmanship. Uh, Exodus that one. Beginning from, from uh, chapter one. I want to show you chapter 6, what the Lord says. When I read that thing, I left my sofa and sat on the floor. Okay? Okay. Moreover, I have appointed Ohaliab, son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. To help who? To help Bezalel. Look at what follows. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. And then, there is full colon. Yes. And indeed, I have appointed with him Ohaliab, the son of Ismach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of the gifted artisans, that they, make, that, they may, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Boy, can that one bless your heart? That God is telling Moses, I am giving you a mandate, but I am orchestrating stuff. So I can imagine... When Ohaliab and, 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 and Bezalel were walking in the street, they were the top guys in town. 
in terms of gold. They will tell people, man, I am the top kohuna. But you know what? God had equipped them for the work that he had called Moses to do. Isn't that one a master orchestrator? And it doesn't stop there. Also the son of David, Solomon. The same stuff. God raises a king called um, uh, uh, Hiram. And Hiram sends, sends to Solomon a guy called Huram. And Huram was, the Bible says the same thing, that he was gifted in all manner of gold and silver to work on the house of the Lord. That is a chief orchestrator. Let me give you another example. You know, um, you know the Bible says, uh, uh, I like what the Bible says. Uh, it says that, um, that the sacred things belong to the Lord. Okay? But the things that he has revealed belong to us and our children, me and Sifa, that we may learn to do the law of the Lord, right? So there are stories that God gives us that we may learn his nature, okay? that we may do his, his will. So let me give you a few examples so that you can understand the nature of God as an orchestrator. The second one, example, I want to give you, is a guy called Ahithophel. There's a guy in the Bible called Ahithophel. Ahithophel was like Dr. Munua, the current chief advisor of the president. Okay? Or there's another one called um, uh, Nziokawata. You know Nziokawata? Yes, guy, that guy is smart. If you've, if you've never heard about smart guys, that's one of those guys. He's very smart. So Ahithophel was like those two guys. He was a chief advisor to David. And the Bible says this, that the advice that Ahithophel gave to David was like one who had inquired at the oracle of the Lord. In other words, that guy will give you advice that was so direct and specific that if you implemented, it was like as if you had heard from the Lord. That's what it means. And so this man stayed with David and helped David to be the king. But then all of a sudden, I, I'm preparing this story so that we can go quickly. All of a sudden, there was war in the house of David where his son begins to eye the seat. His son called um, uh, Absalom, the guy with the big hair, right? The Bible said he was the most handsome man in Israel. Please beware about handsome men. Okay. So, Absalom rises up against his father. And guess what? The chief advisor, Ahithophel, leaves, leaves the father and defects to the son. So the father is now limping because the chief advisor has left and joined his enemy. Please, do, you, don't, you don't want to lose your top guy joining the enemy camp. And when David heard that Ahithophel had left, he immediately prayed. I'm read that one. I think that should be in First Samuel 16. He tells God, please God, turn Ahithophel's advice or counsel into foolishness. And man, is in the Lord, is in the Lord marvelous. Man, he did exactly what David prayed for. You don't want to have a trusted guy around you who has been tested many years and begins misleading you. It will be terrible because he's been tested. Okay? And that's why they keep saying that when, when you are a prophet, you need to stay with other prophets and keep your spirit active because uh, there is always, you can always be in the flesh and you can mislead 
the body of Christ because you have been tested for many times. Anyway, so Ahithophel joins Absalom. And the first advice he gives David was so accurate that if, I mean, he gives to Absalom, he tells, it was about attacking David. If David would have implemented that, they would have killed David. But God, David had been so wise that he sent a second spy, a double agent, so to speak, called Hushai. All right? So Hushai is in the camp of David. He's also another key advisor. But David tells him, instead of staying with me, you go to my son, Absalom, and pretend to be loyal to him. And whatever you hear from him, send that word with my prophet uh, Nathan. Okay? And they will bring the word to me. And so that's what happened. So the first day of advice, Hushai gives very good advice. But Absalom being foolish, he says, let's hear the second opinion. Let's call Hushai. And Hushai is a double agent, right? So Hushai comes and tells David, and he has what? And Absalom is also foolish. He should have told Hushai, what would you advise me in this circumstance? But him, what he did, he told Hushai what Ahithophel had told him. And that's not a good strategy if you are a leader, right? So, Hushai listened to that advice and he realized this one is the right advice. But because I'm a double agent, I'm going to confuse the king. And he gives him the second set of advice, which is contrary to this one. And Moses and, and Absalom buys into the second advice. Alright. Long story shit is, is this. That Ahithophel had been equipped by the Lord for the sake of David. So the day he defected, he became a Kienyeji person. God who orchestrates stuff. So brethren, there are gifts that you have. It is not for you. It is for us in the church here. The day you think it's you as my friend, it is going to dry up. Let me give you the third example. There was a guy, the Bible called he was ruddy and handsome in features. And this man had killed both the lion and the bear. And he was one of the least in his father's family. And this guy had been raising sheep. So he had the sheep kind of manners. He didn't have the kind of behavior that king should have. And God wants this guy to be the king. Okay? If you want to be the president of Kenya, there's a certain character that you need to have, right? Okay. So God realizes that this man called David... I want him to be the king, but I want to train him in the behaviors of a king. Secondly, I want to introduce him to the king. Since he comes from the least tribes in Benjamin, the family of Jesse, I want to, there's no way, there's no better way to introduce this guy to the scene, but to grow a certain guy, give him some steroids, let him grow nine feet tall, called Goliath. So God gives birth to a guy called Goliath. And gives him enough food that the guy becomes bigger than everyone else. So Goliath was growing up in stature and in size and in fear and in power for the sake of David. He was being brought up to be murdered by David. Man, isn't God a chief orchestrator? Hallelujah. You know, it is, it is like a broiler. You know, go, you know, you bring up a broiler for the sake of eating, right? So God was, was, was brewing this guy so that David can come and say, it is my time to be on the 
stage. Man. And David comes in the camp at the right time when, the, when the God is coming out with bare chest and saying, can you bring one of your guys here? And, David, and the Bible says, I think that should be First Samuel 17. And, and, and David says, asks the guy, who is that guy? Who is that guy? They tell him, you don't know him? So this is, this is the mighty man of the Philistine. But why is he talking like this? This uncircumcised, why is he talking like that? Yes, uncircumcised guy. They say, man, you don't know this man. David said, man, he didn't ask, he didn't ask, can someone kill me? He says, what will happen to a man who kills this fellow? <laughs> In other words, he was already past killing him. <laughs> when I grow up, man, I want to be like David. You, you are beyond the trouble. And, and brethren, when, when someone asks you to, to negotiate, be wise. Be wise. Don't be like, like Esau. Don't negotiate for, for lentils. No. So David negotiated something big. But the point is this. God was orchestrating the word he had spoken about David to happen. That David, you need to begin staying with the king to see how kings behave. You, I also need to bring you from the sheep business to start eating with CEOs. And if you want to begin eating with the CEOs, you can either become an, a secretary, you know. You are learning behaviors of bosses. So sometimes God brings you in the lives of senior guys because he's telling you that's where you want to go. Amen? You know, there's a time God gave me some dreams. Several dreams, and consistently. And he asked me, uh, so, I, one day, brethren, and I was driving, and God, God, that was, it was not something, it was God. He asked you, Godfrey, what would you tell so and so if you met him? I thought, I've never aspired to meet that man. He's too hired where I am. Why would I want to meet him? So I ignored that thought. Man, second time he asked me again, this time I told him, wait for the answer. Don't be hasty to answer God's question. Man, and actually the third time he asked me the question, what will you tell this man if you met him? This time I had an answer. Hallelujah. I told the Lord, I'll ask him that we'll be friends, that I can be visiting whenever I want with my family. Man, have you ever answered so well and the people God tells you that you have answered well? And beginning there, God began giving me dreams of how I'm going to meet this man. I have not met him, but I'm going to meet that man. And why I'm going to meet him, God has begun giving me revelation why I want to meet him. God gives you as where you want to go. He gives the vision of where you are going. So that you can begin expanding your heart. You know, the Bible says that God gave Solomon largeness of heart. And exceeding wisdom, like son of the seashore. Alright? So he's equipping you. To be a king, man. So, let's finish the story of the Goliath. So, Goliath was raised for, the, for David. Another example. Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And he goes talks to the Jews and tells them, guys, in the days of Elijah, there were so many widows in Israel. But the Lord did not send Elijah to any other widow except the widow 
of Sarafeth. Who is a Canaanite woman? Okay. I think that is Luke chapter 4. And he goes ahead and says, in the time of Naaman, there were so many lepers. But he did not send him to any other leper. It, uh, it was, uh, I mean, uh, there are so many lepers, but only one leper was healed. And that was Naaman. And the Bible says, when they had like, they were so indignant that they took Jesus Christ to throw him down there at leaf. And I like what Pastor will say. Na haltembea katikati yao. Na hawakumuona. Okay. But you see how God is orchestrating stuff. That woman was a widow and a Canaanite. She was doomed to die. You are a widow and in a foreign land. My friend, you are sunk. I told you last time when I was here that when push comes to shove, we human beings, we eat our own. We eat ourselves. I gave you an example, you laughed. I told you if you want to know how born again we are, Let's just be put in a five to six cubicle and we fast for seven days. They don't give us food. And they throw in a piece of loaf. My friend, that's when you forget that this one is your wife. It is God for us. So the Lord sends Elijah to the widow who was meant to die. Is, it that, um, is that orchestration of stuff? Naaman will not have accessed, will have not have known about Elijah, who was a prophet. It's only because God orchestrated that Naaman should be healed. And how did he do it? He sent an, a Jewish, a Hebrew lady to be a house girl in the house of Naaman. And remember, Israelites are not like you and me. Israelites are guys who love themselves. How many, how many know Jews here? If not made Jews, they really... Jews, they know their, their position. When a Jew is in this group, he knows his, and God has equipped them with wisdom. Uh, our brothers. But see here, in this case, instead of this lady becomes, becoming the king, she's working as a servant. It's the opposite of staff. Instead of them hiring Philistines, they are now working for the Assyrians, I mean he was an Assyrian. But God had orchestrated stuff that Naaman would be made well. So, my point is this, brethren. That God orchestrates stuff. So what shall we do? So shall, what, what, how shall we react? How shall we react to this? Let me give you another, another story, short one. I have always taken liberty to learn the politics of the countries that I work. Okay, I learn what goes around. For obvious reason, you want to know what goes on that country that you're working in and also to engage the locals. Okay, so I work in various countries and one of the countries I work in is Nigeria. And so one time, Nigerians in the last election, uh, I, I decided to learn about the opposition candidate, who is the current president, Buhari, right? Just took time to ask the locals and read newspapers. And I learned that the deputy president, the current deputy president, at that time he was an opposition figure, figure he's called Yemi, was in Banjo. He's a professor, but he's a brother. He's a pastor. So I went to read about this man. 
to know who he is. And I went to YouTube. And man, the first, the first, thing, the first thing I clicked, uh, the first video I clicked about him, he was preaching in a church. And that man said something that I've never forgotten. It blessed my heart. Remember, he's giving this testimony before he becomes even a politician. He's a pastor. And he says this. He says, when I graduated in 1979 as a lawyer, I began teaching at the age of 23. And when, when I began, it's in the YouTube, go watch it. And he says, my colleagues made big money. Okay? Big, big money. Of course, through other means. You know what I'm talking about. He said, but God gave me that spirit to be patient. And he said, at the age of 33, I was a professor. But all this time, I was only driving second-hand cars. What you call Mitumba here. But my colleagues were driving, of course, you know how lawyers, lawyers, lawyers when they've got money, they have to make sure that you know. Yeah, I know uh, lawyers, lawyers are good friends. Those who are here are born again. If you want to know that you are dealing with a lawyer, he is so nice and picks up your calls until you pay him the first check. Once you pay him, all of a sudden he's in court. He got free, I got you back, I'm in court. Anyway, so Professor tells something very important. He says, So God gave me that patience to allow myself to grow in time so that I, am, I don't covet things of the world. And then he says, all of a sudden, I had built enough networks and enough resources that I could afford a new car. I think how God works. But instead of affording a new car, the guy says, from 1998, he has been given a minimum of gifts, three new cars every year. Minimum three cars every year. And he told people, please, I don't want gifts of cars anymore. And then he said the word that now blessed my heart. He told people in church, please do not fret. The Lord is on the throne. Do not fret. Not fear. Do not fret. You know what fret means? Young people, they know. Fret is a heightened level of anxiety. Okay. Calm. He told people, calm down. Brethren, even four years in Nairobi when he's refusing you, calm Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The chief orchestrator is on the throne. Yeah. And the Lord asks a question. Sometimes God asks a question without answering. And he says, Why do you worry about what you will eat? Or what you will drink? Or what you will wear? Isn't life more important than clothes? Isn't the body more important than food? And then he says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor gather, nor store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than this? Remember that? Oh, this kind of stuff messes my heart. Are you not more important than this? And then he says, Go out and look at the lilies of the valley. How they are dressed. And then he says, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if God so dresses the grass of the field that are here today and tomorrow are no more, can he not dress you? 
men Matthew chapter 6 I think uh, uh, 33 uh, 32 it says Then why do you worry about these things For these things the Gentiles worry about But as for you seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness Don't look for clothes Fix your eyes on that on that him who is on the throne not on food the question is why does god do this kind of stuff why does god leave us in this kind of limbo why did the lord allow me to go through that desert of many years feeling that nairobi rejected me one thing the lord is teaching us is that the race is not for the swift Food does not come to those who are strong. That's point number one. Point number two that we need to learn from what I've just said. God is teaching us that we need to treasure relationships. Your prayer is answered in your relationship with me. Hallelujah. What I call last time divine connection. That's how God orchestrates stuff. The wires that God wants to link them together is through the guy sitting next to you. That's your wire, that's your connection. And number 3, most important, why does God do these things? Is that we may have revelation of fatherhood. Amen. That we may have revelation of fatherhood. Let me pin it home with a point with us with a with a with an illustration. So my old man is dying and he knows you know at certain age when you're about to die you know I'm told you know. So my old man is dying and he realizes that he's not spent all the money he had for treatment. I didn't at that point. I'm at the university. And my old man decides that if should I die or I'm going to die he gives that money to one of his most trusted brothers so i didn't know being a young man and so and then he tells him please give this money to my son in august i came to learn this story later so the old man actually dies and we bury him in april and in august that's when we get our fee structure for those at the university will get our you know that's when the university will begin opening and so i get a fee structure my old man is dead we've used i thought we had used all the money that we had for treatment and so i knew i'm, I'm going to drop out of the university and my plan was i'll go work do some barua and save money i don't know how many years i'll have used to save money for the for the university and just one week prior to opening the university i'm almost giving up this old man calls me my uncle and tells me please come see me tomorrow and i go and this man gives me an envelope of 38,000 Kenya shillings sufficient to pay my fees and pocket money and leave some at home man that thing gave me a revelation about fatherhood that as a father the father is thinking about your future he's going to die but think about his son give this money in august he knew if they gave me in april when he was going to die we will have bought cows you know where i come from where i come from we we celebrate death more than we celebrate life and they gave me money at the time i needed it 
And I understood how fathers work. I had revelation of fatherhood. So God gives you these things, you go through them in life. When you look back in the prospect, you realize that's how fathers behave. They prepare the way for their sons and daughters. Amen? Hallelujah, the Lamb of God. Father, we worship you this morning. And we call on your name, O oh God. You say that when you call upon you in time of our trouble, you will hear us. And you have heard us this morning. With all our eyes closed, uh, if you are going through something that you've been troubling your heart and you're looking for a solution, just raise up your hand. We want to plug in this anointing today. We just want to shoot it up and uh, thanks so much, my son. Put it down. Thanks so much for those hands. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Put them down. Father, we thank you. I want to focus straight. For those hands, Father, we thank you that you are connected the dots. Father, orchestrate things this week. Bring divine connection. Bring a bird of prey from the east to fulfill your purpose in those hands, Lord. Heal those who need healing. Those who need jobs, Father, you are providing through divine connection. These people shall not be, for, shall not be forgotten. You shall remember them this week. Father, you are awesome in our lives. It is well for the righteous, says the Lord. The Lord who does what? Orchestrates stuff. Amen? And he does it even when we do not know what is happening in our lives. The struggles, the pains, the troubles that you are going through. If you look up to him, it's not doesn't make mistakes. He's already done it for you before times. Amen? What an encouragement to young people in this house today and to all of us that our Lord has not forgotten us that he goes ahead of us even to prepare people that will work for you. Amen? Please, don't despise some of the connections that God brings in your life. Please, understand that. About historian Alex tying the tie. Some small things that happen. Some people that God brings your way. And later in life, he uses the same people to minister to you. Amen? Relationship. Connection. And of course, again, when you're given an opportunity, you do it and you do it well. Amen? Because that will now speak for you. 